Before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors, Alert Communications, Law Clerk, Clio, and Abby Connect. Your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you answer all the phone calls from newer existing clients while juggling your caseload? Try Abby Connect, the friendly, industry-trained live receptionist who are well-known for consistently providing high-quality customer service, lead intake, and appointment setting to firms just like yours. Visit abby.com forward slash LTN or call 833-ABBY-WOW for your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. So if I was starting today as a new solo, I would be something like by becoming a leader in your field. The way they've done it earlier. do that by What it means to be fulfilled. New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap. It's time for another episode of New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares. I am your hostess with the mostess. And I'm pretty stoked about today's episode because I've been looking to have Rachel alums come on and talk to us about launching her solo practice and how she did it and um, some other very cool things about her and how she became a lawyer. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Adriana. Thank you so much. for. You know you're one of my favorite humans. Oh, you're sweet. The feeling is mutual. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. And we met because I work part-time for the San Diego County Bar Association as the human member benefit. So members of the bar can make appointments to come meet with me, or now we just do everything remote, meet with me and get technology consulting and practice management help. I do a lot of training. So you made an appointment with me when you had just, I think you had just gotten your law degree, right? That's correct. I had just passed the bar and was trying to decide how I was going to jump into lawyering, whether it was on my own or with a firm. And you were the the first person that I sought out to figure out where am I going to start? What do I need to do? This leads to so many questions that I wasn't ready for, but so I'm just going to ask this one. So I didn't realize that you were thinking, or maybe I just don't remember because it was so long ago. I didn't realize you were thinking about joining a firm or going solo. Great question then is, you went solo, obviously, and why did you decide to go that way? So basically where I got to this point was I had worked for solo and small firm attorneys as a paralegal for over 20 years before becoming an attorney myself. So I really had the feeling that that was the way I wanted to go. But I also have a family and two kids headed off to college. And I thought, gosh, that's, you know, that's a lot of risk. And am I going to be comfortable not having that necessarily steady paycheck and kind of really having to pound that pavement to build a business? So that was really the only thing that was kind of pulling me the other direction. I mean, I love working with other attorneys and uh, other folks in the legal field, so I wouldn't have any issue working in a a larger organization, but I definitely, I'm a self-starter go-getter, and I love the freedom of kind of being able to do it my way. So I was was really torn for a very short time, and then I kind (laughs) of settled into my decision. If I know me, which I think I I do, I probably encourage you to go out on your own. Yeah, for sure. You know, I seem to find that when attorneys decide to do that and they've got the right system and the right support system, specifically from your family, you end up being a happier lawyer. I agree. Totally my opinion. But so I'm glad. So that was what, two years ago? 
Just about. Yeah, actually, it's it's uh, been just over a year and a half. So I passed the bar in the summer of 2019. And I started my uh, solo practice in March of 2020. I was in transition from my existing job, still in a paralegal, now new attorney position with the firm where I was, and then was kind of just I was I'm a planner. So I was really trying to get my feet on the ground and get all of my systems in place so I could just go forward, you know, not mm-hmm. having to continually modify or sort of continue to reinvent the wheel. But of course, the pandemic changed all of that for everybody. So I got to jump in the deep end right away sooner than I had planned. And teaser for the next part of the conversation, you're very busy and very successful so far. We're going to talk about that in a second. I do want to make sure and mention one of the things that I find most interesting about you, other than how smart and what a go-getter you are, is you went through law school through a very unconventional way. You didn't go to law school. That's right. So I am not a Juris Doctorate. I, I, in fact, do not even have a bachelor's degree to my name, believe it or not. It's amazing. My, yeah, my history, I was uh, telling someone just a little while ago, I think I'm like the Benjamin Button of of law that I've kind of done it all backwards (laughs) or inside out or however you want to look at it. Or I've told you before, I'm the legal unicorn, right? Because there's so few of me. So the way that I came to the law is I became a paralegal back in 1996. So I was, you know, fresh faced, had uh, basically an associate's degree under my belt and moved forward in that world, just diving in, working for a couple of different law firms, again, mostly small and solo. And my uh, mom happened to be in the legal field as well. She had come to the law a little bit later in life as an attorney. So I ended up um, working with her primarily while I was raising a family, had my two Mm -hmm. kids while they were young and busy. So I was pretty happy with that. I had a lot of flexibility. I really loved the law. And again, I got the opportunity to run a firm from the administrative side, along with working with clients. So that's sort of where it began. Fast forward, you know, 20 plus years, and I had always considered if I wanted to take that next step and really be able to serve the clients more, serve them as an attorney and not simply as a paralegal. So I looked into a couple of options. And of course, as I mentioned to you before, I've got these two kids at the time who were in middle school uh, and into high school. So I knew that I was getting ready to send them off to college Mm -hmm. in a few years. So it was a perfect time to decide, what do I want to do next? And California offers a really unique program that I don't think is offered in any other state at this point in time. It's an opportunity to study in either a law office or judge's chamber. So it's the equivalent of a law school program. Mm -hmm. They require four years rather than three. And you have to develop your own curriculum. You have to locate a mentor attorney that signs on to oversee this education. You have a specified number of hours every week to be studying and testing and submitting tests to the bar, et cetera. So it's a a really, yeah, it's a huge commitment, Mm -hmm. especially to get that mentor attorney on board, which I was so fortunate to have uh, a wonderful attorney named Jonathan Musgrove here in in San Diego, who agreed to walk with me on this wild journey. So we developed the curriculum, we submitted it, I was accepted to the study program, we pushed through for four years with lots and lots of work um, under my belt. And I was eligible to sit for the bar then in 2019, passed on my first try, and, and here we are. So Again, it's kind of the inside out version as I I was sort of that ground up, you know, started initially as a receptionist, legal secretary, paralegal, and then eventually took this wild route to become a licensed attorney. It makes me want to cry. And I don't know, (laughs) I swear, and I am a little, I'm a little welled up because it's, 
such a great story. I feel the same way when I think about it. I mean, the accomplishment, I feel really proud of it. Obviously, it was a lot of hard work. I worked during the time that I studied. I was still dealing, you know, engaged with my kids, making sure I was supportive there. You're Wonder Woman. Well, slightly above average, I like to say, but it was great fun having my daughter help me with my initial flashcards, getting ready for the first year law students exam and their excitement, my kids kind of watching the whole process. You know, they're studying and I'm like, that's great. I've got to go study too. I've got a big test tomorrow. So you study there, I'll study here. So, you know, it was kind of neat to be able to sort of experience that parallel, you know, with them um, and have them be a big part of it as well. That's amazing. It's, it's just so impressive to have had the commitment and obviously the attorney that, that was your guide, your mentor, your mentor is really someone that I'm sure you will never stop thinking. Two things to back up on that I, that I wanted to bring up. And the first one is, I remember when we first met, you came in and said, I've been a paralegal and basically the office manager of this law firm. And I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what I want. And I know what I don't want. And I think that was very powerful to start a conversation with me like that, because oftentimes I'm saying, well, you should do this because you're probably not going to like that. And you should, you know, but you came in and you had your list of, this is what I'm looking to build help me build it. So the first question is basically just how valuable was that administrative management part of deciding to go to law school and then opening your own firm? How impactful was that? It's a dumb question because we all know the obvious answer, but I just want to hear you say it. Sure. No, absolutely. And you're right on point. It was enormous. And I think that is something that I was able to observe over 20 plus years in the field, seeing new lawyers come straight out of law school or doing internships they really didn't get to see the inner workings of running a law firm, right? Mm -hmm. So they didn't get to see the day-to-day business side of things from hiring to training to the administrative dailies, you know, paying all the bills, getting Mm -hmm. the bookkeeping done, dealing with clients, everything from the ground up. I think having that under my belt and having done the work at every level of a law firm really just set me up to be able to know not only what I wanted and didn't want, but really what it was going to take when I jumped out Mm -hmm. on my own. So I think I had that benefit of coming to it really eyes wide open. And I think a lot of attorneys who go solo, either they go solo right out of law school because, you know, they're not sure about what they want to do and they're just trying to kind of gain some experience and get a paycheck going and maybe sort of figure out how they want to practice. Others go to it, you know, they leave big law, they go to the firms, they do the internship, they go and they become an associate and they're kind of on that, that hamster wheel, so to speak, trying to kind of get ahead and figure out again, where are they going in their career paths? but they're at the mercy of others. And I think a lot of them go to solo practice sort of just out of the sheer exhaustion of that process. And they think they'll have more control or it'll be so much easier. And oh my gosh, it's so not not much easier. That's definitely not the way to go about it or to think about it. So I think for me, it was so helpful because I did have all of that experience on the other levels of what it takes to run a firm. So being able to come to you and say, okay, I've researched, I have a plan, and I know how hard I'm going to have to work to make this happen. I think that's the biggest misconception is you think you can go solo. And as long as you get a few clients in the door, you know, you're going to be fine. You'll, you'll, You'll be able to pay the bills and, you know, put food on the table. And that's just not all there is to it. And I don't think that a lot of newer attorneys or new solos really know the scope of what it's going to take at the beginning. 
And that old adage of they didn't teach me this in law school. Well, right. They didn't, but you had it all when you went to law school. So That's right. right. Again, this idea of sort of your Benjamin Buttonness in life. The other thing I wanted to ask you was how do you think going through law school the way you did mm. is better, different, worse, or the same in having had you gone to good old fashioned law school? Yeah. I think that's a good question, and and it'll be a little bit hard for me to compare having not done both, right? right? But having having known people that have done mm-hmm. both processes, specifically like talking with my mentor attorney, you know, he went through traditional traditional path of law school, went to some big firms, you know, and then kind of some smaller, and then ended up going solo himself. And so having his perspective compared to mine was really valuable. So mm. I, I think that in several ways, it was really beneficial for me because sure. it caused me to really have to to dive a little deeper into the material and into what I was doing. And I also, at the same time, got a benefit of I could structure it in a way that was constantly preparing me for the bar and beyond, where those that go to traditional law school, I think, you know, you're in the you're in the process, the path is set for you, the classes, the context of what you're going to be studying. And, you know, a lot of lawyers will complain, you know, the biggest piece of law school is teaching you how to think like a lawyer, not to actually be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then they take the bar, you're preparing for that. So you've got lots of law in your mind and, and how to think about it and how to solve those problems but not the day-to-day. You know, I've seen so many lawyers come out and they pass the bar and they get a job and they have no idea how to file a form with the court, right? So What's true. required? Yep. Where do I even find those? Like, what it, What do I need? They could certainly research the case law and write a beautiful pleading about it, but they're not going to know what to do logistically. So I think the fact that I had that ability, even, you know, the fact I was working in the field gave me that in some, some sure. stretch as well. But having that ability during the education process to continue to sort of refine that and to hone that skill set, not just thinking like a lawyer, which I needed for the bar and, and, uh, you know, the same as everybody else, but how to be able to come out day one producing the work of a lawyer, right? I think that was definitely beneficial for me. Now, on the other flip side, it was just as much of a struggle, I think, trying to get it all in. It, it, California's bar notoriously is quite difficult. The mm-hmm. numbers of subjects um, that we're required to study is massive. And so I think just the breadth of it, being in traditional law school, at least you're on that path. It is laid out for you to get it all done. For me, I really had to figure out how to do that with my mentor. How are we going to get it all done in a meaningful way while still holding a job and having a family, which many attorneys, (laughs) even in law school, traditional, have to go through that as well. But I think that was really the biggest difference. So I I honestly feel like for me personally, it was a huge benefit. Again, I don't know that it's for everybody. You really have to be so dedicated and so self-motivated to get through this process because there isn't anybody there to push you along or say, okay, now you have to do the next thing. It's really up to you to get it done every time. What are you talking about? You had your study group. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Me, myself, and I, and my kids, of course, with the flashcards. That's right. (laughs) Your study group was like, come on, mom, you Uh got this one. We we did this one yesterday. (laughs) Exactly. That's great. Hey, New Solo has some great sponsors. Let's take a quick break to hear from Clio's new recurring segment, the Legal Trends Report Minute. This month, we're talking about financial impacts of cloud migration. Did you know that 42% of solo law firms operate without commercial office space? In fact, 9% of solo law firms gave up their office space in the last year alone. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio. 
we're seeing an overwhelming number of solo attorneys migrating their legal practices to internet-based cloud technologies, giving them the freedom to practice from anywhere. New research, based on data from tens of thousands of legal professionals, show that with the right technologies, solo lawyers can make $50,000 more revenue than other law firms on a per-lawyer basis. This is because cloud solutions like online payments, client portals, and client intake software create the types of efficient legal experiences that today's clients look for. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for solo law firms at clio.com forward slash solo. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Okay, and we're back. I'm talking to Rachel Alums. She came in to see me and said, I'm going to launch my own law firm. I've got some questions. So let's talk about launching your practice. So you came in, you had your laundry list of do's and don'ts. Give us an idea. What were a couple of things that you definitely didn't want to do? So obviously being part of a a small firm with a solo attorney, couple of staff members for the majority of my career, we got very wrapped up in, you know, some great software that initially served our needs and then later on really didn't. It was either Mm. too big or too clunky or not really keeping up, but it was what we knew. And I think the biggest thing was sort of seeing that resistance to change when something isn't really working for you anymore. It made me really focus on either products or resources that were going to help with my management of my practice that were going to be more flexible and that my thinking needed to be more flexible, that I had to be willing to change and adjust so that what I was using was still making sense and wasn't just do this because we've always done it that right. way. So I think one piece technology for sure, we definitely tended to just stay with what we knew because that's, you know, you feel like you're more efficient that way. It would take too long to learn something new or switch around. So we were back in the days of the big server room and all, you know, the computer that had to be worked on all the time. And if it yep. went down, then we were all down. And, you know, there wasn't really any flexibility. We all worked in the office. We had to meet clients in the office. So it was an interesting time for me, obviously on the cusp of COVID because that changed so much of what we did. But even prior to that, I think I had been really looking for something that was, again, a little more nimble and that could better meet the needs of the clients. I think we just got in a rut of what worked for us and not so much what was going to be more beneficial to the clients. You know, how are we going to be offering them access to their documents Mm -hmm. or to us in a secure way other than just email? How can we meet with them in ways that are easier than them trying to get to an office during a nine to five office hours. You know, I'm not married to that kind of schedule in my life either. It's sort of, hey, you need to meet me at 530 or on a Saturday. Let's do that. That's what real life is. I understand, you know. So I think just some of those things, just making sure I was harnessing that. And then obviously efficiency. I could see that there were new tools that were coming about that were going to make life easier, but we had to adopt and adapt, right? And that's where we were kind of stuck. That's such good advice and such a smart angle to start with thinking about the clients, which, Mm. like you said earlier, you know, a lot of lawyers launch and they think, oh, once I get three or four clients, I'm good. I did a consult today, had a gentleman today who'd had his firm for a year, and he said, I launched without even meaning to launch. I was at a big firm. I had an opportunity with one (laughs) client to leave. He's like, so I just started. And now here I am a year later trying to sort of unravel the little bit of a mess. I mean, he didn't have that big of a mess, but he said, I need to get ready for the next year because now I want to grow. So 
he was calling me a year later. He should have called a year ago and we may have, but he was fine. I'm, I'm not saying he did a bad job. I'm just saying you avoided all that, but that's because of the experience that you had right. and understanding, you know, again, what you needed to come in with. So what technology did you go with? So I had done a lot of research, obviously, listening to your podcast, listening to the Lawyerist podcast, just looking into people who were on that edge of, you know, what is new, what is really going to be valuable to both practitioners and the clients? How are we going to adapt to these things? So I'd done a lot of research and kind of figuring out what was available to me as I started and what would give me those results of efficiency and mm-hmm. making sure the clients had options. So I did end up going currently with Clio as my main CRM. So I use both portions, the full Clio Grow Suite. So Clio Grow and Clio Manage. Mm-hmm. So I use Clio Grow for my intake, right? So that's my pipeline to manage where my clients are coming from. And that's been really helpful as a new mm-hmm. solo to mm-hmm. see what avenues of my time are giving the biggest dividend, right? What's paying yep. me back in client contact. So then I know which relationships to nurture and which things I can let go. And I think for most new attorneys, mm. that's really tough, right? Yeah. It is really hard to turn down work. For and sure. that's one big piece, I would say, that was a huge help to me having come from the back background I did. I was able to see attorneys, you know, taking cases that ended up being just nightmare headaches. And they knew from the moment they met the client and they just couldn't turn it away because, you know, you still got to pay that staff and you've got to keep the lights on. And sometimes that is, you know, that's the driving force. And I didn't want to end up in that position. I wanted to be able to take clients that I knew I could help and support and turn away work that would end up being toxic, right? That would end up being such a challenge that it took away from what I was doing. So that was helpful that I had that background. So the pipeline with Clio helps me kind of keep track of that. And it helps me to actually have a better, bigger picture of where I'm at. So I can feel confident to say, you know, that I could probably take this case, but it just doesn't feel like the right fit for me. And I'm going to be okay if I say no. I think that's a big piece. And then uh, using Clio, I have a lot of different add-ins that I use. Mm -hmm. So Outlook is great with the add-ins. I'm Mm -hmm. using that for mail service. Um, I'm using QuickBooks Online for my bookkeeping. And I was a QuickBooks user before, but again, the clunky desktop version that just wasn't streamlined. So being able to move to a lot of cloud position Mm -hmm. software has been helpful. I am an estate planner. That's my focus. So I am a uh, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, trust administration, probate. That's sort of my lane. And so I use uh, Hot Docs drafting software. So I think they are Abacus, mm-hmm. Abacus now is, the, is mm-hmm. the main owner. Yes. Yep. So I'm actually working right now on trying to determine what additional software I can use to keep adding efficiencies with the drafting software that I use, for example, with the hot docs for my estate planning. So looking into a couple options there, including hot docs is developing their own client facing intake. And oh. that's the next piece where I'm really focused again for the client's benefit as well as mine. The more I can engage the client in the process and I'm not sending them, you know, a 20 page worksheet and it's yep. repetitive information and it's just a turnoff to, to them. And it's hard to get what I need to help them. So being able to continue to be open to those options and just testing new materials. I just started using LawYaw recently. Mm-hmm. I know you've been um, familiar with them. I like them, yeah. They're great, yeah. And so it's it's nice to just be able to try some of these new pieces. And the beauty is there's so much integration now. So again, where we didn't have any of that before, like you would not, you know, your billing program wouldn't talk to yeah. your, your case management system. So you're constantly having to forward information back and forth. And, you know, you're paying people 
people time to do this. And it just takes away from the overall time they have to commit to client work versus all of this back end stuff. And then your own time, right? You're, you're spending more than you should be on those resources. So I'm using the Microsoft Office 365 suite as well. I'm trying to think of all the software. I know when I came to you, my list was, was your list was lengthy. long, but I think we we shortened the stack. I we said, did. "Oh, that tech stack." I love saying that because you know it's yes. so cool to say. So fancy, um, so fancy. I was like, "No, we can shorten that thing." Let me ask you this: yeah. Give listeners a realistic expectation of how much time it takes to set up the workflow in Clio Grow. They'll do so much for you, but it can be pretty sophisticated if you sit there and figure out how to make it work. So give us a realistic expectation of how much time and dedication from the technology side it took for you to set Mm. up Manage and Hot Docs and Laya, because you are not outsourcing that work. You must be doing it yourself. (laughs) Yeah, the, the most help I get is from my fantastic uh, 20-year-old daughter who's a college sophomore and will jump in anywhere that I say, okay, this isn't making sense to me. And I'm pretty tech savvy, I yeah. think, but um, it's nice to have uh, what we call the uh, the tech natives, right? And not the sure. tech immigrants like, like those right. in my age and older. <laughs> so the, having her around is really helpful to jump in and, and try to manipulate things. But Cleo is really supportive when I set up with them. Very obviously, good. they spend a lot of time getting you off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest, I I'm probably not even using all of my software as efficiently as I can. And that's where you and I have continued meetings Mm -hmm. is, okay, I've got all of this tech stack and I think they're all talking to each other, but am I talking too much here or am I not talking, you know, clearly enough here? So really it's continuing to make sure that I'm making those updates and tweaks and and adding to what I'm already, uh, what I already have available. I want to make sure I'm using it fully. So originally my plan was I was going to give myself about a month um, between the time that I officially left my my firm and kind of stepped back to start my new solo practice. COVID changed that and I had about, you know, a week <laughs> to kind of transition and need to take clients <laughs> right away. So I would say, can it be done in a week? Sure. <laughs> Is it a crazy harried week and I wasn't totally ready? Probably. That's probably accurate. But to set up Clio Grow was pretty quick. They do have a lot of the structure in place where you mm-hmm. can kind of, it's almost an out of the box, you know, experience where you can just jump in and use what they've got for you. And again, their training is fantastic. They're definitely super helpful in giving you that time, walking you through. So what I like about it is it is pretty straightforward. The reporting components are great. So when I, again, when I want to run and look at how am I doing this month? How much do I have sitting in my pipeline? And at what levels is it that I'm getting stuck because I'm not getting the initial consult set, even if people are reaching out? Mm -hmm. Am I getting stuck because, you know, once they have the consult, they're just kind of sitting? Am I getting stuck because I'm not answering the phone fast enough? And so someone will call and leave me a message. I reach out and too late, they've already moved on, right? So it's really helpful for me to see where can I improve as well, Um, again, in the client service end of things. So yeah, I would say time-wise, setting everything up, I would say I dedicated probably a couple of weeks to almost exclusively putting everything together, connecting it all up, and getting it really running smoothly. It took a little while, for sure. I don't, nobody should think it's just day one. You can just fire up every program yes. and it'll all be good. But it really was not as labor intensive as I think I had originally expected because it wasn't like all the old programs that we used, Right. We didn't need Mm -hmm. the tech guy in there running the server Mm -hmm. and connecting all of the different computers and all the stations together. Everything was already ready to go. And I can access it anywhere. And how glad are you that 
you have gone through that and built it yourself rather than having, you know, gotten help and sort of somebody handed you this, this package. For sure. I think that is one piece that I really love. And I think that's something I did want to be able to do is be more hands-on and in control of it so that I understood the flow of everything. And again, that's going to help me down the road if there's a modification I need to make. If something just isn't working right, I'm going to know what it is and why. And that's going to allow me to fix it and move on instead of, gosh, I don't know where this log jam is. I'm going to have to call somebody in and sort it out and hopefully hope for the best, right? (laughs) I think it's really valuable for you, the attorney, to have done that because if you listen to my show, you hear me refer all the time to the Rube Goldberg machine of practice management that lawyers build. And when the (laughs) golf ball doesn't hit the domino, I mean, the first domino, right, you've got to know where the breakdown happened so that you can fix it or improve it at that time. So I think that's a really good tip to other new solos, which is you really have to invest the time into building this system. It's just, it's just critical. And I think for scalability too, right? So I'm a solo and what will become of my firm in the future is, you know, I don't know. Is that right. is it that I'm going to be a solo with some support staff so that I can grow to meet more clients? Is it that I'm going to have, you know, additions to my firm with new lawyers? But at whatever point that that needs to occur, I want it to be really seamless. And again, having my hand in the pot yeah. for everything that's happened so far is going to be valuable so that I can set up the next individuals coming on board for my firm for success, right? Right. I want to be able to log them in, plug them in. And the fact that I know the system from start to finish, they can be trained. And I, again, I have my hand on the pulse. So I know exactly where things are going wrong or going right. And what we can do more of to create even a, you know, a better result. Okay, everyone, it's time for our second series of new insights. I hope you enjoyed the first round with Eric Ganchi and Robert Southwell. And I want to make sure and thank Noda, powered by MNT Bank for their support of this segment. To learn more, please visit TrustNoda, and OTA, so it's TrustNoda.com. Terms and conditions may apply. We've got our second series starting now, and I have two fabulous Florida attorneys, Melanie Kalmanson and Starlet Massey. Hey, Melanie, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? My name is Melanie Kalmanson. I am an associate at Ackerman in Jacksonville, and I focus on civil commercial litigation. I moved to Jacksonville in September from Tallahassee. I transferred offices within Ackerman. And before joining private practice, I clerked at the Supreme Court of Florida with Justice Perrienti. Hey, Starlet. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell everyone a little bit about you. Hi, Adriana. Thank you so much for having me here. I am Starlet Massey, the owner of Massey Law Group. We're a small boutique firm here in St. Petersburg, Florida. We specialize in all things real estate and business law. Uh, We focus on both litigation and transactions, and we love to develop working relationships with our clients to bring them the best results. Okay, Melanie, what's your first question? Hi, Starlet. My first question is, what made you decide to start your own firm? You know, funnily enough, I have to say it was a data-driven decision. I had always wanted to have my own firm, but I stayed with the same mid-sized law firm for 11 years. About the last five years of those, I ran a set of books on my own and did financial projections and finally reached that critical mass where I felt like I could 
you know, definitely be successful, take my whole team with me, take my clients. You know, I had a strategy in place and I was I was personally ready to, you know, manage, you know, that kind of volume of files. You know, and in addition to the data supporting the numbers and me being confident that I could financially support myself and my child, I really wanted to have my own firm because I wanted to be able to control how we spent um, our marketing dollars, what kind of, you know, community activities that I could engage in. I had a a wonderful boss uh, when I first started, but his opinion was that nonprofit work and volunteer work is something you do when you're retired. And that, that never felt quite right for me. I thought, wouldn't the world be a better place if lawyers could market through organic relationships built within the community through nonprofits and the arts um, and different organizations that had missions that aligned with my own personal goals. So I really built my law firm around the idea that I was becoming a part of the community of St. Pete, Florida, and that I would have enough relationships to bring in work without a real advertising budget. You know, I I donate to different causes and different events, but they're all tied to my personal goals, which uh, revolve around diversity and inclusion, uh, social justice and equity. And so having my own firm gave me the ability to make those decisions and therefore, through the practice of law, which I love, live the, the life that I wanted to live for myself. Okay, that was Melanie's first out of four questions, so stay tuned for upcoming episodes of New Solo to hear the rest of their exchange. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Signing up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code NEWSOLO to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back with Rachel Alums. Did I get it right this time? Alums, yeah. It's pretty easy. I know. I don't know why we make it so complicated. What I wanted to ask you about next is... I alluded to the fact that you're actually pretty busy, right? So you launched a year ago. Mm-hmm. Did we say a year? Yeah, it's been. It's, hey, happy anniversary! Just, yeah, we're right out of year. It, it started started in March, and here we are, one year in. With a freaking crazy pandemic, I have to say, and I think you and I have talked about this. Really, could not have come at a better time. Which sounds bizarre. Any business owner going out on their own will say, what in the world is she talking about? What a nut. But for me, one, I'm an estate planner. So unfortunately, you know, this pandemic has really brought out the need for my particular area of expertise. Sure. So that has been a big focus that clients are needing what I have to provide. That was huge. 
Secondly, they're at home with lots of time on their hands. <laughs> they're moving through those honeydew lists. And so I think <laughs> estate planning is one of those things that's really easy to back burner. And it found its way to the front burner for a lot of clients. So I think that was sort of serendipitous for me. It wasn't just, gosh, I'm the best estate planner in San Diego. So suddenly I'm just busier than ever. I think those were two really, really big pieces that, that occurred at the same time. And then for me personally, getting the business started, you know, you and I had talked initially my head was full of all these great ideas of how we were going to engage clients differently. And I was going to offer all these services. And when I was first starting out wanting to offer video conferencing or, you know, these different remote applications for clients, you know, they really were not necessarily comfortable with that when I first started. Well, you know, fast forward even just two months, three months into the pandemic last year, suddenly everybody had been thrown into this training, like it or not, in how to interact in this new digital age and how to use these tools. And so for me, it did me a favor because it taught all of my clients how we could communicate differently and how that would really actually benefit both of us, both the client and myself. So for me, those three things, I think, helped kickstart it. Definitely, you know, I work very hard to give a great product to my clients and I'm very committed to this work. I mean, I stayed with estate planning because I really love it. Mm -hmm. I really am passionate about this area of law, walking people through what can be really some challenging and difficult decision-making and life experiences, right? And, And I think that that has helped also. I think people that come to me do see that, that this is a passion for me. And I really do make every effort to really support them as best I can. So all of those together, yeah, I served over 150 clients in my first year in business, which blew my mind. It was wild because I really was the first month, okay, I got four clients. I, th- I think I think I might be okay. If I could get four clients a month, could I make it? You know, that's kind of how I was assessing things. So when it, then it was 10 and 15, and then I there was one week where I was saying to my daughter, I can't do this fast enough. I can't oh answer God. the phone fast enough. I signed up three clients today and two clients the day before, and I can't, you know, it's, how am I going to do this? So that's kind of where I'm at right now is, you know, I have to tell clients, okay, gosh, it's going to take me three weeks. You know, I do everything from answer the phone to run the software, to do the bookkeeping, to make the coffee, and to do the lawyering on top of that. And by the way, the laundry and the (laughs) the kids and the husband and everything The the laundry, that's over. (laughs) Nope, sorry, not happening. I'm really at the point right now where... The next piece of the puzzle for me is now expanding that technology stack or those services. Now that I feel confident that, okay, I'm going to make it. I'm, I have a solo firm. I'm, it's, it's succeeding. I've got clients. And, you know, most of my clients are referrals. And that says a whole lot to me um, that what I'm doing is, is good work and that it's valuable. So I think I'm confident that I'm moving forward. So now it's things like, okay, how can I make sure that phone is being answered, yep. right? So I'm looking into uh, Smith AI, Ruby, mm-hmm. some of the great providers there. Just a couple of little things I can do there that will, again, help free up my time to really be focused on the client work, but not so much that I can't get the business side done. I think that's the biggest juggle uh, for any solo. And and I feel it even with all the experience I had doing it. You know, I didn't have the lawyering piece before I was running the firm and doing some client work, but I wasn't solely responsible. So being able to run the business and grow the business as well as 
be a lawyer, two very different things, right? Yes, very. Two very different time commitments, but both necessary to make this thing work. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is being able to focus both in the business and on the business. And I think that's the, that's old the e-myth always comes that's out. Right. Quick question for you. I know there are new solos, potential new solos sitting in the car right now, listening to the podcast going, how the hell did she get 150 clients? <laughs> so you alluded to referrals. And the truth is a lot of lawyers, that's it. That's the key. And I think you also led to the key, which is you deliver good service. So it's, it's easy to refer business to you. Is it all referrals? How did you start? Do you do any advertising? Are you on Facebook? Do you use groups? Again, a little bit of this comes just from having been in the industry for so long, right? Part of it is relationships that I've built over time, networking over time, being really involved in the community around me. So I have been a PTA mom since mm -hmm. my kids were in kindergarten. So I've built lots of relationships through all those levels of schooling, through, you know, my kids' sports and activities and connections there. So one, you know, we talk about networking and, you know, everyone imagines everyone in a suit and kind of co-mingling around and, you know, <laughs> hello, my name's so-and-so with your little hello tag on. But really, it's just about cultivating relationships. And I think that's what initially helped spur a lot of business is once people that I had had relationships with outside of the law field found out what I did and, and where I was at and had my firm that really was the driving force to a good number of people. Excellent. Then secondarily to that, so the firm that I was with in my former capacity as a paralegal, you know, I served a lot of clients. We served hundreds of clients there over the 20-year period. So when I moved on to my own, the attorney that I was with happens to be my mom. She is a family law specialist. So she decided to kind of put her firm kind of bring it down a little bit, you know, getting closer to retirement. So she focused on family law and I adopted those clients as well. So there was some cultivating of the client relationships we already had in that uh, respect. So that, that brought in a few that we're touching base with. So great. And I also joined in a couple of programs. You know, there's several for estate planners, at least. And I know some of these companies handle lots of different areas of law, but there's a, a couple of companies that provide insurance benefits to some of the bigger companies locally here in San Diego. And and some of those are legal service benefits. So getting connected with those companies, I was able to become a preferred provider oh, and become a resource excellent. for folks looking. So that's been huge as well, because it's, you know, that's really, I don't have to spend the advertising yep. dollars. You know, I'm working at a discounted rate, but it's a trade-off for not putting the money out in the marketing um, that's wonderful. aspect of things. So that's been one other really big feed. Yeah. And then it's really just existing clients yeah. as they come, they're referring family, friends, neighbors on over to me. Yeah. Very little actually paid advertising. I, you know, obviously I grabbed my Google, my business page sure. and Clio has the connection with that now as mm -hmm. well. So again, that integration was helpful to me to make sure everything was connected. I do have a website. I do have a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram. We really aren't utilizing those very well. So I can't say that they're really driving mm -hmm. a lot of traffic to me. Um, but I just started print advertisement. I know that sounds so archaic and no, bizarre. No, it still works. I have one little niche area uh, in San Diego 
Diego County, San Diego is an enormous county, as you know, right? Mm -hmm. We have coastal, we have inland, we have the desert area, the mountains. So it's pretty enormous (laughs) in size. And where I happen to be located in the North County inland area, we have a couple of pockets of communities that are very popular retiree communities. And that's a a huge part of the uh, clientele that I serve are my seniors. So they still like that print ad. They still want to open their orange book or their yellow pages and see a picture of me or see my name and and call up. So I did invest a little bit there, but only in that pocket where I know, um, you know, that's going to pay dividends. Other than that, you know, we're trying to work on getting a little more active in the social media space. There are a few groups that I belong to on Facebook. We have uh, particularly here in Poway where I'm centered. There's a Moms of Poway group. And those are great because they do know me individually. Mm -hmm. They've known me in the community. And so when they give a referral to another mom in the group, those moms know it's, you know, legitimate, can be counted on that I'm not just some person paying somebody to say my name, you know, in Facebook or something. So I've kind of just got a, a couple of different feeders out there. And then the hope is really this is more for my existing clients and continuing. We really want to start adding to our website, um, getting, I say our, <laughs> when I say our, I mostly mean me, but my daughter, <laughs> as I said, has been really my right hand gal in some of this tech. So I have to give her credit for, you know, developing the website and helping me keep that up to date. We like to do some video FAQs and mm-hmm. some um, just different spots there where my clients can come and get refresher information or refer people for basics and they can, you know, get get my take on whatever it is that they're looking to solve and hopefully hear that in my voice and then that will be impactful as well. So again, I'm right at that one year mark where I'm like, okay, whew, got the basics down right now. What can we add or where, where can we invest time that will actually be beneficial both to the clients and then to that referral stream coming back in? You said something earlier that I thought was interesting and I could hear attorneys listening to this and their heads going, she tells them that? My question is, you mentioned you, you, you get a client and you say, you know, I'm basically chef, cook, bottle washer. It's going to take yep. me three weeks. And do you find that they don't care? They have decided to hire you, they trust you, and maybe they even find that endearing at some level, which is, I'm going to do everything, and it's going to take me a minute. I think so. I think it really just just being transparent with yeah. the client so that, we're, you know, my whole goal is to set up a realistic expectation for our interaction together. I don't want to overpromise and so underdeliver, smart. as my husband likes to say. Yeah. I want to make sure that what I'm providing to them is reasonable and that we're both on the same page. Now, of course, I have clients that come in and there's a, an emergency, there's a medical issue, there's something, you know, we move, move mountains to get those done right sure. away. And I think that the clients who don't need that mountain moved respect that and appreciate it as well. So I don't know if it's really just my particular area of law that lends itself to being able to be forthright about that. But I do think clients appreciate that. You know, I'll let them know, hey, when you call, if you have to leave a message, I'm probably, I'll answer the phone if I'm available, but I'm probably in a meeting. I'm with another client. I'm making sure that they're getting my time as needed as well. I will get back to you and I give them a reasonable time frame or, you know, hey, I'm running about 10 days out to get this back to you. So they know that they can 
expect that. And mm. then I really do everything I can to make sure I deliver on that. And if I can't, I communicate with the client. That's the biggest thing. And that's got to be one of the biggest complaints that I heard for all of my 20 plus years as a support staff in a law firm is the failure to communicate. Mm-hmm. Clients not knowing what was happening, where they were in the pipeline, when to expect some kind of a response. That was the biggest complaint that we had. And that's where you get unhappy clients. You know, you lose that referral source really quickly. Yeah. And I will say I that's one benefit I had to see how impactful that is, is that if you're serving clients well, will they go out and tell somebody, this is that like net promoter idea, right? Sure. Will they go out and tell somebody? Maybe if it comes up, if they really liked you, they probably will. If they didn't like you or you, something went wrong, they will not tell a soul about you, right? right. Not even to say, oh, don't go to so-and-so. Your (laughs) name is just like gone out of their mind. So I think it's important. That's one thing I learned is keeping the clients happy, being honest, owning what's going on. You know, I'm human as well. So if I say, look, you know what? I promised that to you today. I didn't deliver whatever the reason was, not necessary, but you need to know that was on me. And I've had more clients appreciative of that and give a lot more leeway and flexibility than if you say, well, I was in court or I was here and whether that's true or not, you know, they just need to know that they're paying for a valuable service, which is your time. You've promised it to them and you're going to deliver. So yes, I think they really are appreciative of that level of honesty And the fact that when I do give them a timeline and I actually follow through with it, I think that's the other piece. You can't just say, well, it'll be a few weeks. You got to be specific. It will be 10 days. I will have this to you by X day and that's then great. make sure you get it done. That, that's what really keeps them happy. Well, Rachel, it's just been wonderful talking with you. I'm so glad I finally got you on. I've been telling you for years. So I'm going to have you come on New Solo after you launch. Because you used to listen to the show. I said, you tell me when you're ready to spread and share those pearls. And and here you are. So tell everyone how they can find, friend, or follow you. Sure. So they can visit my website, which is alums.law. So that's A-L-L-U-M-S, M like Mary, S like Sam, dot law. For Twitter, Facebook, I'm at alumslawapc. And for Instagram, alumslawapc. We'll get you there as well. Thank you so much, Rachel. You're awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, everyone, it's the end of another episode of New Solo. If you like this episode, give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends. It's uh, very nice and rewarding when I get messages um, from listeners that the show is helpful. So I appreciate that. You guys reach out to me on uh, social media and let me know that you enjoy the show. I'm on Law Tech Partners at Instagram. I realized somebody said to me the other day, you never tell anyone how to contact you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm easy to Google. (laughs) Yeah, reach out. I love hearing from listeners. So everyone, we'll see you next time on New Solo. I've been running from nine to five, been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short. I was thinking this was the way to go, and you put up your puppet show. I say cheers to life. Just leave me
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.